You are listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now present the Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Health Hub. I'm Kathy Biasa, your host, and along with our producer, Alex Diaz, we would like to welcome you to our show this morning. Good morning, Alex. Good morning, Kathy. How are you doing? I'm well. How are you doing? Not too bad. Pretty good. Thank you. I've got my new setup here, so I showed you on video before we went on, but um, I'd love feedback from people that are listening. So I, I invested okay. in a microphone and a headset because I think we're going to be in this situation for a little bit. So I thought, hey, why not? What do you yeah, think? For a while, but uh, it's coming across very well at the moment. And uh, hopefully we get the right kind of feedback, right? In terms of... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't mean it that I didn't mean it the technical yeah. way. I meant the right. other way. Yeah, my brain okay. is always thinking production. But anyway, carry on. Carry on. <laughs> Today's show is being taped, so no opportunity for calling in. Our Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook handle is at the Health Hub RMC. So we would love you to follow along. We offer up some health tips. We let you know what guests are upcoming. It's just an informative place for you to come and visit every once in a while. And please do feel free to email us at thh at radiomaria.ca. We do love to hear from you. And please subscribe to our podcast. We are the Health Hub on iTunes, SoundCloud, and all your favorite podcast platforms. And to that end, someone said that they were looking for us on iTunes. On iTunes, there is no space between the three words. So the Health Hub is one running word. So if you are looking for us, try typing that in. And you can also find our podcast on the Radio Maria Canada website, which is radiomaria.ca, and on my website, which is kathybiasse.com. So Alex, I came across an interesting study about uh, the connection between overweight people and the ability to rewire their brains. So okay. uh, I, I thought that I'd put this forward again, another, another reason why we need to be mindful of what we eat and managing our weight. But um, what, what this study found, it was a study out of the University of Australia and published in the journal Brain, Science, Brain Sciences, is that they repeatedly um, sent electrical stimulation to the brain of different people. And the healthy weight control group recorded significant neural activity in response to the stimulation. But in contrast, overweight people, uh, the obese group, uh, the response was minimal. And to them that this suggests that the capacity to change was impaired. And this is their, their results. So the results show that the brain plasticity is impaired in obese people making it less likely that they can learn new tasks or remember new things. It's a very interesting finding. And again, another reason why, um, you know, we've had a lot of guests on the show, right, Alex, talking about brain health and 
really pushing us forward with yes. the, um, you know, uh, David and Austin Perlmutter are two that are jumping up in my mind, but uh, Dr. Lenny Cohen, Annie Yassim, all pushing us forward with the interconnection between the brain and the body and, you know, dispelling this long belief that what is above our shoulders is disconnected from the rest of our body. So I found this and, you know, many other studies that I read to be just another indication how everything is in, interconnected and how important our lifestyle is for healthy aging and, you know, a healthy brain and overall health. So I wanted to bring that forward to you as another indication is, you know, Starting our habits earlier on in life, what we eat, maintaining good weight is so important as we, as we move on in age and carry this through. We want to be able to have a long, healthy life, not just longevity. We want it to be a healthy, happy life. So another connection and another reason for you to be very mindful of, um, of your health. Yes, it's very important, you know. It is. I just, I thought that was, was quite interesting. But on to today's show, or not but, but on to today's show, our guest today is Sky Chilton. And Sky is the founder of Real Mushrooms, a supplement line that focuses on high quality medicinal mushrooms. Their products are verified for the important active compounds that make mushrooms special and are free from fillers like grains, uh, fillers like grains. And Sky's father, Jeff Chilton, is a mushroom pioneer with over 40 years of mushroom growing experience and is the founder of Namex, the premier supplier of medicinal mushroom ingredients. Namex ingredients are found in hundreds of different health products. I've got a real passion for learning about mushrooms and I do and try and incorporate mushrooms daily. Um, you'll come to understand why and, and the wonderful health properties that mushrooms have. A few of the things we'll be talking about are what are the different parts of the mushroom, how are mushroom extractions done, so there are different ways that the active ingredients are extracted from mushrooms, and, and in general, why we should include mushrooms in a healthy diet. So everybody, we will be back to talk to Sky in a few minutes. Of God in hell, 
righteousness Scorned by the ones he came to save Till on that cross as Jesus died The wrath of God was satisfied For every sin on him was laid Here in the death of Christ I are listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now continue with the program, The Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. Welcome back, everybody. As mentioned, our show is being taped today, so no opportunity for call-in. But please do follow us on our social sites. We are on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and we are at the Health Hub RMC. And if you'd like to email us, another reminder, we are thh at radiomaria.ca. Sky, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Kathy. It's such an, a topic that a topic and a food that has just grabbed me. I've really been doing some studying and, of course, came upon your company and you. And uh, I did my vetting and just so impressed with, with everything. But I don't think that people understand the importance of mushrooms in health. I think it's something that we need to be educated and hence your appearance on our show. So thank you for joining us. I'm excited to be here today. What got you into mushrooms, mushroom, all things mushrooms? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a bit of a long story. Uh, so it started with uh, my father, Jeff. Uh, so he came out of university in the early 70s and started working on a mushroom farm in Washington State, where they were one of the biggest uh, button mushroom growers there. And he really loved it, um, which if you can imagine working with uh, sort of steamy compost all day, um, how fun that can be. But uh, he just loved it and 
um, wanted to learn more and worked his way up to manager there. And they sent him over to the Netherlands to do an apprenticeship over in the Netherlands. Um, and so one of the things about this mushroom farm is that they had a Japanese scientist on staff there who was experimenting growing some of the more culinary mushrooms. And so this farm was one of the first in the U.S. to actually uh, grow and sell sh the shiitake mushroom. And unfortunately, the uh, market wasn't ready for shiitake uh, at that time. Uh, they couldn't find anywhere who, to sell it. Um, but that really got him interested in um, the rest of these mushrooms apart from the button mushroom. And uh, it took him China because that's where a lot of this history around mushrooms comes from. So he started uh, attending conferences and trade shows uh, in the late 80s and early 90s, all surrounding medicinal mushrooms. Um, and he started making contacts there, uh, and he then formed uh, the company called Namex. Um, so it sells mushroom ingredients to other companies uh, for finished consumer products. Um, so anything from, say, like, beverages, energy bars, supplements, that kind of thing. Um, and then in the, in the mid-90s, he actually brought the first organic certifiers over to China um, and set up the first organic growers there and was the, one of the first companies to sell organic mushroom extracts to the North American market by the late 90s. And so I had been um, sort of experiencing all this uh, as he was growing his business and never really thought that I would be in the mushroom business per se. Uh, so I went and went off to university and studied computer science and thought I would be programming video games or something like that and um, started my own business. And, and through business, uh, my dad and I really reconnected. Um, and that really brought me back into mushrooms. I had worked, you know, part-time here and there, uh, helping him out growing up. But um, that really showed me a lot more about um, his growth in his business as well as just um, how amazing these mushrooms are. Uh, and uh, I then decided to come on board and uh, create real mushrooms and because we there's no consumer facing line at that point um, because we really felt like we wanted to educate consumers a lot more and it was very difficult for him to do that at the time. Um, and so that's really what brought me around was just acting uh, with sort of this uh, childhood mushroom experience. Uh, that mushroom I didn't, experience. <laughs> yeah, that I didn't really know about at the time. And uh, of course, getting to work uh, with my father and, and now my brother who's in the business as well is just uh, an added bonus to that. So he started off, this is, is something I wanted to pull forward later, but it, it's fallen here. So he started off with cultivating mushrooms for us to eat. And yes. this transitioned into mushroom products. Why, why, is the, why are the mushrooms that we eat not, I mean, they're, they're good, but they're not good enough. Why are we reaching out for other ways to bring in all these different types of mushrooms? Yeah, so some of these mushrooms we can't eat, for one. So they're dense, woody polypores. You'll see them growing off of trees in the woods. And uh, you don't really want to try to eat those ones. Um, and so with those, what we want to do is extract them. And so with all of these fungi, uh, the cell wall is actitually made up of chitin, 
which is the same substance that crabs and crustaceans make their shells from. So it's very tough. And uh, humans actually have a very tough time digesting that. Um, so which makes eating fresh mushrooms a really good source of dietary fiber to help feed our guts. But if we want to access more of those medicinal compounds, we really want to break that uh, chitin sort of outer layer of the cell down so we can get access to these more beneficial compounds. And so through extraction, uh, typically with hot water. So if you think about um, just say like making a tea is sort of a low level hot water extraction uh, where we're using hot water um, and then these mushrooms are getting cooked over a set period of time, typically under pressure. And it's going to help break down this cell wall so that when uh, we do actually consume it, we can access those compounds a lot easier. Let's let's step back a bit. I do want to talk a bit more about extractions because it it it, it really interests me personally. Um, break down the mushroom for us. What what is a mushroom? What are we eating? What don't we need to eat? All of that. Yeah. So definitely, definitely, when it comes to mushroom products, you need to be aware of what is the actual plant part that is in there because uh, this mushroom has multiple different parts of this fungal organism. So um, we have the spore, which you can think about as like the seed. Um, the spore will then be flying out in the air. It will germinate uh, under you know ideal conditions. Um, the spore will then germinate and it'll start to grow hyphae, which then form into mycelium. So mycelium, you can think about as the root system of this uh, fungal organism. And then the mycelium is going to be out there uh, breaking down organic matter, gathering nutrients. And then when the conditions are ideal, it's going to produce the mushroom, which we know and uh, see in the grocery store. Uh, and so we've got spore, mycelium, and mushroom. Uh, the mushroom is also commonly called the fruiting body. Uh, and if you, you can also think of the mycelium as the vegetative body. So it's sort of the main body of this organism that's going to be gathering up nutrients in order to produce mushrooms. Um, and this is really important with products because you want to know which stage of this fungal organism is in your product because that makes a big difference when it comes to the compounds that are actually present and also making sure to be your you know, consistent with the existing body of research literature. So when you're harvesting the more common mushrooms, are we getting a little bit of everything or are you just the fruiting body? Is a mycelium of any importance to us on a health level? Yeah. I mean, this is where we start to get into different levels of abstraction. Um, so there's certain compounds that are unique to the mycelium and certain compounds are unique to the mushroom. Uh, but the mushroom and mycelium, these are going to be the two primary forms you're going to find in products. Um, there are reishi spore products as well that are coming onto the market. Uh, but um, both the mushroom and the mycelium, they have what are known as beta-glucans. And these are complex uh, carbohydrates that are primarily make up the majority of the cell wall that we were talking about earlier getting broken down. Uh, but what we found through our testing is that the mushroom itself uh, contains a lot more of these beta-glucans. And these beta-glucans are, uh, let's see, kind of immunomodulating compounds. So they're one of the primary reasons that uh, mushrooms and mycelium can modulate our immune systems and kind of help to keep our immune system in balance. Okay. And I just wanted to, there's one other piece of a mushroom that I think that uh, I, I want to have you illuminate for everybody. Mm -hmm. Is a mushroom a fruit, a vegetable, or something altogether all different? <laughs> 
well, mushrooms themselves, all well, these fungi are actually in their a separate kingdom. Um, so they're not part of plants. Uh, and yeah, I, I mean, I guess they're commonly put in as a vegetable, mm-hmm. uh, but I would say they're something entirely different um, and contain a lot different compounds than say normal fruits and vegetables would contain. Well, what is a fungus? What is, is this being a fungus? Is that the property that gives it its, its medicinal value? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I mean, all plants have specific medicinal compounds in them um, that will be unique to certain plants and fungi. Um, certainly fungi have created, you know, unique compounds where we have specific drugs that are manufactured via uh, different strains of fungi. So like penicillin is a good example of that. Uh, and yeah, they're out there. They, you know, create novel compounds when they're trying to, you know, in nature, they're fighting off different things. Um, so yeah, I'm not exactly too sure there. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're different than a fruit and a vegetable for sure. Completely definitely. different. Yeah. Uh, and is, so would you say that we can get enough of what we need in our diet by using them in our cuisine or have you found in your research that we really do need to get really a good bang for our buck from all of the different types of, of mushrooms. We need to add these powders and get these products because, you know, certain areas of the world will have certain types of mushrooms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's important to eat mushrooms. I mean, try them out. Some people, you know, might be a little taste adverse to mushrooms, uh, but I'd say, you know, get them in your diet and just start eating them, uh, cook them well, but certainly for, you know, things like say reishi or turkey tail, um, chaga, these are really dense, hard masses that you are not going to be able to eat. And they have unique compounds in there that are beneficial And then if we do want to get uh, more access to some of these active compounds, we do want to extract them. Um, So certainly it's good to eat mushrooms. Um, They're great for our gut health. Uh, But if we really want full access to the medicinals, uh, we want to take them in some sort of extracted form. Um, Now, the extracted forms, you've got powders, you've got pills. Do you do tinctures or is that something that's not in your line? Yeah. So typically we recommend looking for extract powders. So we sell them in a bulk powder form as well as capsules. So it kind of depends on preference of what's easier for you, um, whether it's the convenience of capsules, which I might take traveling, or if I'm at home, I might just add some extract powder to say my morning coffee. Uh, We don't typically sell tinctures just because uh, I haven't seen any specific research that shows any increased benefits. If we look at a tincture, a tincture is actually um, 30 to 40% alcohol, so it can be shelf stable, um, as well as 40 to 50% water. So when we are making our extract powders, we're actually it at a certain point in the extraction process, because we're cooking it with water and our alcohol, it's basically the same thing as a tincture. But then we are take, we're going and we're removing all this water and alcohol if that gets used in the extraction process. And what you're just left with is pure mushroom. So when you've got a tincture, uh, almost 90% of that is actually your extraction solvents, which is water and alcohol. Uh, so the amount of actual mushrooms there is 
Uh, I'm really not sure how much is actually there when you're going to pay about the same amount uh, to get an actual extract powder. Uh, so if you're making your own tinctures, I think that's great. I think making them at home is just like amazing thing to do. If you go out and you're foraging and harvesting and making tinctures from a value standpoint in the marketplace, um, I don't really recommend them. Back to, okay, so the foraging and harvesting, this is a question that really interests me. Um, I've seen videos of you. You're out in the forest. You're looking for mushrooms. Um, there are some mushrooms that can't be harvested. Are there telltales between mushrooms that we can eat and can't eat as we're looking through the forest? Because I, I don't want people going hog wild yeah. trying to grab mushrooms and if, if they shouldn't be eating certain types. Yeah, definitely. If you're out foraging, find somebody that knows what they're doing. Um, look up maybe your local mushroom growers or your local mycological society. Um, they typically have sort of mushroom events where they'll have tables out and they'll be identifying mushrooms. Uh, get a local guidebook for your area too. And just to start with, you can harvest them, bring them home and like look through your book and see if you can identify them. There's, you know, groups on Facebook or Reddit and things like that where you can post photos and they'll try and identify them for you too. Um, so you definitely want to make sure you know what you're picking. Uh, and then depending on the region, like certain things, like I just uh, picked some chanterelles last week. Um, it's starting to be sort of prime foraging season right now. And chanterelles are are pretty easy to identify. Um, there's other mushrooms locally here, like say the hedgehog mushroom, which is a real easy one to identify with uh, no real lookalikes. So, but in terms of like knowing, we'll see the Amanita, which it's kind of species is quite poisonous. And that's, you know, that big red mushroom with the white dots on the top. So usually if it's got kind of speckled dots on the cap, it's usually not a good sign. Uh, but definitely if you're unsure, you know, don't eat it. Um, so it's, leave it to the experts. Yeah, definitely. Where uh, where we practice. have a we have a place up north and lots of chaga. And, yeah. Um, what's interesting and maybe you can illuminate a bit more is I, I'm I'm going to assume that the various health benefits there are some underlying health benefits to all the mushrooms, like you said, the beta glucans. But when you're you're getting into what we're going to do, the second part of the show is is the different mushrooms and their health properties. Can I assume that it's where they are living and where they're being cultivated is where they're grabbing their nutrients from? Yes. So especially with chaga. So chaga is an interesting mushroom. And so it's not technically a mushroom. So it's actually a sort of dense canker um, so it's a tree disease. So here in BC, they've they've classified that in their tree disease category. Oh. I think it's a white heart rot. Um, and it's uh, basically works its way into the heart of the tree. And then it starts to like push this mass out. And analysis of chaga, actually, one paper showed that only 10% of it um, is mycelium and most of it is actually wood fiber and so that's where when you analyze chaga what you actually find because it typically grows on birch is you'll find a lot of the birch compounds so you'll find compounds like betulin and betulinic acid uh, which are medicinal and you can get from the birch tree um, and those actually end up in chaga as well which is interesting so Certainly the substrate that these mushrooms grow on will influence a lot of different factors. Well, see, there you go. I thought that the chaga was um, 
sort of broke down a dead tree. I didn't realize it actually went in and infiltrated a healthy tree. So there you go. There are so many things I'm learning. <laughs> yeah. So typically wounded at some point. Okay. And that will allow the spore to get in there. Um, and then once, once it's in there, I mean, s- some people will, will kind of talk about a symbiotic relationship between the tree and chaga. Uh, but really the tree is, you know, it's a parasite or sorry, the chaga is a parasite on this tree, which is slowly eating it away from the inside. And what you might find at some point is the tree dies and snaps off right pretty close to where a chaga is. And that's similar for some of the other polypores too. Um, so we get a lot of uh, red belted polypore out here. Uh, and you'll see, you know, the wind will come through at some point and snap these trees off. Um, and right sort of where the snapping point is, you might, you might see some kind of polypore. Interesting. We're going to take a quick break, but uh, I want to come back and, and, and talk more about harvesting. And um, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll leave this question until we get back. So everybody, we'll be back in a couple of minutes here. I woke up in darkness Surrounded by silence So where Where have I gone? I woke to reality Losing its grip on me Oh where Where have I gone? I can see the light Before I see the sun Took me so long I was looking outside As if love would ever want to hide I'm finding I was wrong Cause I can feel
You are listening to The Health Hub here on Radio Maria Canada, a Catholic voice wherever you are. To contact us and be a part of the show, email thh at radiomaria.ca. We now continue with the program. Here once again is your host, Kathy Biasi. Welcome back, everybody. We're having a great conversation here about mushrooms with Sky Chilton. And Sky, we kind of left off the end of uh, the first half talking about chaga. But uh, what, what, bring, what brought to mind for me was that um, anybody who's cultivating, like you have chaga mushroom products, mm-hmm. are, these, uh, are these always picked wild or are farms made with birch trees or whatever to specifically cultivate these mushrooms? How, how are they uh, sourced? Yeah, most most chaga is wild harvested. Um, so we chaga grows. Let's see, Canada, U.S., uh, China, Russia, um, Scandinavia, and a few other places. So most of the time, it's wild harvested. But actually, in Finland right now, um, they have tons and tons of birch forests, um, and these are actually sort of considered low value forests. Um, so. Chaga enthusiasts right now are working with um, these the people that own these sections of land uh, to actually come in and inoculate these birch trees uh, with the chaga fungus. Um, and then within about three to five years, there should be harvestable chaga. Um, so this is kind of one of the first uh, times that they're attempting to cultivate uh, chaga in a bit of a mass production scale. Uh, and they're hoping that they can provide additional revenue um, to these sort of uh, tree farms in a sense. Uh, and then they wanted to let the, instead of harvesting these birch afterwards, they want to let the, the trees die and kind of um, decompose back into nature. Cause they also found that there is a secondary, I think beneficial fungi that come from a lot of the decom- decomposition um, that are getting removed when they actually harvest these birch normally. So you talked about chaga being a parasite and um, I watched a short clip on the cordyceps mushroom <laughs> and cordyceps are uh, one of the most expensive mushrooms from what I understand to mm-hmm. cultivate. Tell everybody how the chaga, or the chaga, the cordyceps mushroom grows, and then what you know. Then let's just talk about the products that you're you're harvesting and specializing in, because I know the cordyceps is in your line. Yeah, yeah, cordyceps is a really interesting mushroom. So it's it's a parasitic fungus, and there's I think over 400 species of cordyceps. And the interesting thing is that each species itself targets a specific insect based on its region that it actually grows on. Um, so the most famous uh, species of cordyceps is cordyceps sinensis, um, which many people know as the caterpillar fungus. And so this grows in the um, regions of Tibet and China on the Himalayan plateau. And so it um, actually infects a moth. Uh, and so it will infect this, the caterpillar of this moth. And then the caterpillar will burrow into the ground and uh, the spores will um, kind of grow into the mycelium. The mycelium will then consume the entire body of this moth. And then in the spring, um, it shoots up a mushroom out of the ground and that's what uh, the harvesters out there look for. And it's very, very prized. Um, and right now, I mean, the price is probably over $20,000 US per kilo. Um, so 
one of definitely the most expensive mushroom in the world. And it doesn't really make it outside of say the Asian markets. Uh, it's typically a lot of rich people buy them. Not going to buy very many or be able to get a very high dose of that at that pricing. So it's very uneconomical in a sense. Do they and, offer a lot of medicinal benefits that other? I actually saw a video where the the spore got into an ant and drove this yeah. ant crazy, and it was really fascinating. But is it is it the uh, the the lack of of amount of cordyceps, or is it um, a, a great nu- nutritional health benefit that is the price? Issues. Yeah, I mean, yeah, cordyceps definitely have a lot of benefits. Um, so they contain like adenosine. There's they also have the beta glucan compounds in there, but it's just to get enough of them is just going to be too cost prohibitive for cordyceps sinensis. Um, and this is sort of what most of the market often touts. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so this is where it can be a little misleading in a sense. So we've got a whole article detailing cordyceps on our website that goes into a lot of this. Uh, But what for our cordyceps products, we actually use a different species, uh, which is cordyceps militaris, uh, which is able to be cultivated uh, without the use of any insects. Uh, And so we can get the actual mushrooms uh, on mass in like massive production scale. um, So we can have an economic form of cordyceps. Uh, so they've, for the cordyceps sinensis, um, uh, the Chinese have been trying to actually, uh, replicate and cultivate this mushroom for probably three or four decades. Um, what they ended up with was a pure mycelium form, which is called cordyceps CS4, which has a good amount of research for it and is actually approved in uh, China as a medicine. Um, but they never actually could cultivate the mushroom itself. Mm-hmm. More recently, um, what they've actually found that they've had to do is they actually have to farm the moth that it grows on and inoculate this moth um, with the fungus and then kind of simulate the same conditions as these um, Himalayan plateau area um, in order to get it. But it's still way too expensive uh, for sort of the actual marketplace. So that kind of leads me to this question of, you know, the, the average Joe like me goes into a store and there are mushroom products on the shelf. Uh, we know sort of from reading things and anyone who's trying to get better on the health front knows that mushrooms may be good for you. But what, what separates, let's start off what separates a good product from a bad product. And then maybe we'll talk about, you know, the top four or five mushrooms that, that you really are producing and are af- affiliated with. Sure. Yeah. So it's, it's really important when you're out there shopping for a mushroom product that you know exactly what it's made from. And so uh, earlier when I was talking about the different plant parts of say spore, mushroom and mycelium, uh, this is really important when it comes to products because uh, we actually have a lot of products out there that are made from the mycelium and with this, when they grow the mycelium, so normally the mycelium is say out in the woods, it's uh, breaking down organic matter, logs and uh, different plants and things. But when you cultivate it for a supplement, what you're actually doing is you are putting it on a sterile grain and you're growing this mycelium out on this grain. And if anyone is familiar with the food product tempeh, it's a very similar product. 
Whereas, uh, so tempeh is uh, cooked soybeans that they inoculate with a fungus. Um, and then you sort of have this white grain cake. Um, so this is a similar process where you're taking, say, reishi mycelium, you're putting it on, uh, say, rice or oats, um, and you're growing it out in this plastic bag, uh, creating this white grain log. Uh, and then once uh, it's fully colonized, this white grain log, you're going to dry that and you're going to powder that and that gets sold as a mushroom supplement. Um, and so it doesn't actually contain the mushroom itself. Uh, it can contains the root system, which is the mycelium. But what you're also getting with that is that grain substrate. Uh, and so back in 2015, uh, my father, he did a study where he just wanted to see how much of this grain actually gets left over in these products. Uh, and what he found was that um, these products can be upwards anywhere from like 30 to 70% starch. And it shows just how much of this grain matter gets left over in these products. And what it means is that there's actually a very small amount of mycelium here and a very large grain component. Whereas when we look at the mushroom itself, uh, we see it's basically just pure fungal material where um, you have very high levels, high levels of beta-glucans, um, which is almost in contrast to what we see when we look at some of these mycelium products, just because the grain has actually diluted that. Um, and then around 2017, another study came out, which confirmed a lot of my father's findings. Uh, and then just last year, there was a consumer lab report that came out uh, looking at Horatio products. Um, and there was one product that they couldn't approve uh, because it said that it had uh, too many polysaccharides that were actually from rice, so which is the residual substrate that this mycelium grows on. Um, there's been a few other reports recently, uh, 2017 or 18, uh, the U.S. Pharmacopeia put out a report on ratio products as well and, and found that 74% of them weren't authentic. Interesting. So your products, are they extracted, both the hot water and the alcohol? Because, um, correct me if I'm wrong here, the alcohol extraction allows you to pull out the fatty nutrients of the mushroom, whereas the alcohol, the, the water-soluble. Are your products always both hot water and alcohol extracted? So we use a mix depending on what the mushroom is. And, and we've got a couple different products. So we have um, a couple. So our cordyceps, our chaga, and our lion's mane. Um, we basically do a hot water extraction, uh, but we keep all the insolubles. Um, so all the mushroom fiber stays with that extract. Um, and then it actually ends up in the final product. So you actually don't need to extract with alcohol in that sense. You still, so say, so you make a, say like a soup stock or something and you boil a whole bunch of vegetables uh, in water and then you eat the water and you eat all the solids. Kind of similar to that. So the non-solubles are not going anywhere oh, okay. um, as long as you keep that material with it. Whereas in the more traditional sense of extraction, you would normally remove the insoluble fiber. And that's where the alcohol extraction piece comes in. So we've got hot water extraction to break down that chitin in the cell wall. Uh, and then if that fiber component gets removed, um, which is usually done if we want to concentrate extracts to a higher level, 
um, for concentrating specific compounds. Uh, then if there's say insoluble, say with reishi, we usually do a dual extract, uh, because of the beneficial triterpenes in there. Um, the majority of those are non-water are insolubles. Um, so we'll extract with alcohol as well as sort of con- do a higher concentration, higher ratio extract in order to get more of those compounds out. Uh, whereas just the say mushroom itself might have a little bit where I guess the experimentation and uh, science be- behind extraction comes into play a little bit more. It's interesting to note, I've not used the capsules, I've used the powder, and we're not talking a, a lot of, of product. We're talking a half a teaspoon, I think, is, mm-hmm. is the recommendation. So highly concentrated. Now, if, if somebody is you know, foraying into the world of mushrooms and they want to you know, dip their toe, where would you suggest they start? Yeah, so... Typically, I mean, we've got a five mushroom blend that is our main recommended one. Um, it just gives you a good blend of sort of the main immune boosting mushrooms. Uh, there's other co- mushrooms that have definitely become a lot more popular uh, recently. So lion's mane has been a big one uh, that people have been pushing for cognitive health. Uh, so there's a couple clinical trials out of Japan uh, with the elderly where they fed them lion's mane mushroom and saw improved cognitive scores. And so a lot of people, whether it be um, older people or even younger people, say, you know, students or looking to study that kind of thing are looking at lion's mane for the memory side of things. Uh, And then reishi is another one that's been a classic popular medicinal mushroom always good. Uh, cordyceps as well, like we talked about earlier, uh, the cordyceps that we sell, cordyceps militaris, a unique compound to that is uh, cordycepin, uh, which is very close to ATP. So ATP is what our cells use for energy production. Um, so cordyceps is typically geared more towards athletics, um, energy. Um, in traditional Chinese medicine, they, they use that uh, with Older people, if say they're uh, say fatigue, um, mm-hmm. their big one would be chaga, which we talked about earlier. Uh, mm-hmm. Traditionally used for gut health, um, it's got uh, high amounts. The black outer layer there um, is made of melanin, which can help our skin. Uh, and then you've got sort of the uh, birch compounds as well, betulinic acid and betulin. And what about turkey tail? Is that um, mm. you? You sell turkey tail, I believe. Yeah. So I I forgot about turkey tail there. That's uh, in our five mushroom blend. So we do reishi, chaga, shiitake, maitake, turkey tail. Um, So turkey tail is definitely very popular in that it actually has the highest amount of beta glucans that we found in any mushroom. Uh, And you also have two very um, famous, uh, I guess we would call them adjunct therapy drugs that have come out of China and Japan. Um, so in, in Japan, there's been uh, PSP, which is uh, polysaccharide peptide or uh, Crestin uh, that with uh, adjunct therapy for chemotherapy and as well as uh, PSP out of China, which is a similar procedure uh, where they're extracting turkey tail and isolating certain compounds. Um, both have been approved in those specific countries uh, for use. Do you know if there are any contraindications to using the powders? Uh, we have a small 
percentage of people that can have uh, allergic type reactions. Um, and so it's, it's difficult to tell if it's allergies. I know some people are actually allergic to mushrooms um, or if it's maybe an overstimulation of their immune system. So we'll typically tell people to uh, stop taking immediately, um, give it a break for say five to seven days and cut the dosage in half or even take a quarter of the dose and just see what happens. Um, so sometimes it can just be like, I know people with our cordyceps um, take a lot less. Um, and it's really interesting, kind of gets to a point of like how mushrooms work with the immune modulating components of them, because each one of us is different. Uh, you know, we've got different DNA, we've got different um, kind of daily stressors, whether it's say work or even exercise, we've got different environments. Uh, we're in, who knows, different, uh, say, air pollution, depending on the city, uh, what the water quality is. So our bodies are always kind of defending ourselves from all kinds of different things that are unique to us. And this is where the mushroom sort of benefits are, you know, hard to really put a finger on and they can affect each person uh, very different differently. So for example, say reishi, like a lot of people will take that before bed to help them sleep. Uh, whereas might find it very stimulating. And mm -hmm. so you have a completely opposite effect, which I just find fascinating. Mm -hmm. It is interesting. Now, any new products um, coming down the pike? Yeah, we actually this morning um, just launched two new products. Uh, one of them uh, is just a standalone uh, tremella extract. Uh, so from tremella mushroom. So that's a white jelly fungus um, that typically sometimes gets used in uh, skincare products because uh, it has a very gel-like agent to it. So it's uh, highly moisture retentive. Um, the other one that we're really excited about is a new mushroom blend. So we have reishi and chaga that we have paired with uh, vitamin D and zinc. Um, so all three of these uh, are great for your immune system, um, especially as we move into the fall right now. And so we're really excited for this product. And I think it's going to do really well. Excellent. And just before we sign out here, that's one thing that we didn't actually hit upon that mushrooms are one of the few foods that contain vitamin D. Um, so it, it just, you know, I don't know if you want to comment on that, but I think it's something worthwhile for people to know. Yeah. So a lot of times if you look up, say like vitamin D in foods, mushrooms will be there. Um, but there's a very important caveat to that. Um, and that is UV light exposure. So if you look up, say button mushroom, um, nutrition facts, uh, and you look at the USDA numbers for that, uh, the actual vitamin D content is very low. Um, but what's really interesting about these mushrooms is that they contain a fungal sterol called ergosterol. And when mushrooms get exposed to UV light, they actually convert ergosterol to vitamin D2, ergocalciferol. Um, and so it's really important that if you want to get vitamin D from mushrooms, uh, you want to expose them to UV light or have them already exposed to UV light. I know in some countries they sell UV light exposed mushrooms in the grocery store. Mm. Um, and so the vitamin D, we actually have a standalone vitamin D product that is made from the button mushroom and it goes through a very special UV light exposure process um, to boost the vitamin D content super high. So you only need to take 
25 milligrams to get a thousand IU dosage. Um, but if you buy mushrooms at the grocery store, what you can do is uh, just slice them fairly thin and hopefully you have a sunny day. Uh, put them out in the sun for 20 minutes uh, and that can greatly increase the vitamin D content. That's a great trick. I just learned that myself. So that, mm-hmm. that is, it is interesting. Your website is fantastic. It's full of so much information. Everything is very transparent. Uh, I recommend anybody who wants to learn more about mushroom products and how to incorporate them into your diet. And with Sky's products, he's given a ton of different recipes that you can use. I, I just made the um, cloud bread keto cloud bread big really? hit yeah really big hit so delicious so where can people what maybe give us the name of your website how people can get a hold of you sure yeah so check out realmushrooms.com um we do a 25 percent off um for your first time order if you want to try us out uh also take a look at our blog we have tons of just informational articles there you know we want to be one of the top sources on mushroom info and you know a big component of our company is just education. Um, I feel like there's a very big disconnect between sort of the benefits that get touted for mushrooms and, you know, how that actually relates back to product. And we really try and link those together. Um, you can check us out on Instagram, uh, real underscore mushrooms. Uh, we also have a big, uh, Facebook group as well called, uh, real mushrooms insiders. If you search that on Facebook, I think we're up to about 8,000 members right now who are all just talking about mushrooms. Excellent. And um, you now you are a Canadian company, but I think there's an issue with shipping so that Canadians are, if I might be wrong about this, but correct me, you think go to Amazon and get the products? Is that a better source for us Canadians here? Yeah. So we are a Canadian company. Uh, most of our business is in the US. So that's where our primary warehouse is. Uh, we do have stock with amazon.ca. So we try to recommend Canadians to go to amazon.ca. Um, Search Real Mushrooms uh, will come up there. Um, they've got local stock in Canada. We've just found that uh, over about the last year, uh, Canada Border Services has really cracked down on um, what they're charging duty on. So now it mm-hmm. seems like a order is now getting hit with um, sort of duties and handling fees, which hasn't been a very good customer experience. So as we continue to grow, we we could look into a a Canadian warehouse so we can do more Canadian fulfillment. But um, yeah, check out our website and then uh, check us out on amazon.ca as well. Perfect. Now, will those new products be on Amazon or are they on your own website at the moment? Just on our own website at the moment. Uh, We just received our NPN number for Tremella. Um, we're going to have to make a few changes to our mushroom, uh, D2 and zinc product, uh, to get it approved by health Canada. Um, okay. and then we've got another interesting product coming out hopefully next month too, that I'm excited about. Excellent. Sky, it's been really informative. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. Thank you, Kathy. This has been great. Awesome. Everybody we'll talk to you next week on the health hub.
You have been listening to The Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi, here on Radio Maria Canada.